In the morning, my friends. How are you today? You're listening to the Sunday edition of St. Mark Lutheran Church's podcast in Benemichi, Minnesota. This podcast features sermons from our church, other Sister Wells churches, and also daily devotionals that are all, all found on this same podcast subscription. If you're edified by our sermon today, you may be interested in clicking subscribe so you don't have to look for us every day. Our sermon for today is titled, Focused in the Face of the World, and is based on Luke chapter 12, verse 49 through 53. I have come to bring fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo, and what constraint I am under until it is completed. Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other, three against two, and two against three. They will be divided, father against son, and son against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. We now join Pastor Zamzow for the sermon. In the name of Christ Jesus, our Savior, who has made promises to us that only God can give. Amen. Have you ever had somebody say something to you, be it a, a friend or a co-worker, something that sounds like this? Yeah, I know you're a Christian. But I'm pretty sure that there's a lot of people, millions if not billions of people in the world that can get on board with what Jesus' teachings are. No. I mean, you don't really, you don't really have to believe that he walked on water or that he fed 5,000 people. You don't really have to believe that he is the Son of God to get behind Jesus' teachings, do you? I mean, after all, there's billions of people in the world and there's hundreds of religions other than Christianity, right? Is anybody that you love ever said something like that to you? A friend or a coworker? Maybe you've got to that moment where you're sitting there and you're having a conversation about your faith and that's the response that they give you. Those words that I just cited to you were said to me by a very close friend of mine. In fact, a guy who's like a brother to me. Uh, somebody that I care about deeply. I'm an only child, so I guess I don't know what it is to have a flesh and blood brother, but he's close enough. Somebody like that, that's so close to you, and you've gotten to that point where you can have that conversation about what it is you believe. And you share your faith in Jesus, the Son of God. And they respond to you in this way. What does it get you to say? What does it get you to say in your mind? What's the objective, do you think, of their word? Does it get you to wrestle internally and say, man, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. 
there are billions of people in the world and there are hundreds of other religions. Is God so dumb that He would pin it all on one religion? Does it get at you to consider yourself as narrow-minded or make you wrestle internally with, man, how am I really that uncompromising? Does it get you, therefore, to question the validity of what you believe? Statements like that, friends, are the whispering lies of Satan. Believe it or not, those are the whispering lies of Satan that challenge our faith and get us to draw our eyes and our focus off of who Christ is. So how do we remain focused in the face of the ones that we love? How do we remain focused in the face of the world that doesn't like how we as Christians smell, as I put it in the children's lesson for this morning. See, part of it is, that, is the issue. It's not just statements like that that challenge our faith, that get us to wrestle internally. But the other part of it is that the person who says such things is someone that we love, somebody that we care about, maybe somebody that we'd love to see sitting here next to us in church. More importantly, somebody that we'd love to see in heaven for us, with us forever. And we don't really want to turn them off. We don't want to have them reject us outright. We don't want to have them lose respect for us. We don't want them to break a a friendship off because of our faith. We don't want to have them think of us as narrow-minded or stodgy or that we put our trust in some musty old tome. And furthermore, we don't want to believe that somebody that we love or somebody that we care about could actually be whispering those harmful lies of Satan. How do we remain focused in the face of the world that challenges us so? Listen to the words of Jesus from the Gospel this morning. He says, I've come to bring fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo, and what constraint I am under until it is completed. You know, in the original language in Greek, that word fire is in the first position in the sentence. Jesus says, fire! Fire I have come to bring on the earth, and how I wish it was already burning. He's emphatic about it. This is strong language from the Lord. And at first blush, it's kind of hard for us to hear what is Jesus talking about? Is he talking about the end of the world? What is he, what is he going on? What is he going on about here? The physical destruction of the world, burning things down? This sounds like hard words from the Savior. But as we continue to hear what Jesus says in the Gospel for today, we quickly understand that he's not talking about burning the world into pieces. No, but rather he's talking about a spiritual fire. He's talking about the fire of God's Word. The fire that Jesus is referencing here is the fire that Jeremiah 
was talking about. He's referencing the Word of God, where what we heard in our first lesson, is not my Word like fire. It is the fire of God's Word that burns. That burns bridges between people. It is the fire of God's Word that burns bridges between families and friends and co-workers. And when one who is a believer hears the Word and studies it and learns it and takes it to heart, with that fire burning, it makes that campfire smoke that gives you an aroma of a Christian. And Jesus says that if you cling to Me and My Word and it burns like fire, there will be divisions between those who are spiritually alive and those who are spiritually dead and discerned. It's the Holy Spirit through the Word of God that burns and causes divisions as indeed it should. The Word of God warms and comforts the ones who love it. And it burns those who hate it. Jesus speaks here cryptically. He talks about a baptism that he must undergo. And Jesus was already baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River. So what baptism is he talking about here? Well, it's a baptism by fire, so to speak. The fire of the cross. And that constraint and that stress and that burden he was under until it was completed. The fire of God's Word burned in Jesus and it was focused on Him. And the Lord Jesus knew this. He knew that God's Word was all about Him. He knew that every word in the prophets, in the Psalms, had to be completed. Otherwise, He was not the Son of God. But they were and they were being completed. And He was the Son of God, and therefore He knew what God's Word said about Him. It knew, he knew what lay in front of Him. He knew how He would be burned as He read through, as he read through the Psalms and the Prophets. He knew that He would go to the slaughter like a lamb. He read the words of Psalm 22. He knew there would be a day where he would cry out in absolute abject agony, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He knew he would hang there and watch as soldiers divided his clothes. He knew that he would hang there and be able to count the bones in his body because each and every one of them ached so much. He knew that that's what lay in front of him. He knew that he would be rejected, he would be put on trial, that he would suffer, and that he would be crucified why? Because that's what the Word of God said about Him. That's what the promise of God that was passed down from generation to generation said of the Savior. That was the prophecy to be completed in Christ Jesus. And without that key essential promise, without all Scripture being focused solely on Jesus, then it all means nothing. Then it's all pointless. If all prophecy, if all the point of God's Word does not culminate in Christ Jesus, then the book might as well be thrown out. Yet despite what it said, 
despite what Jesus knew was coming, despite how he knew that, the, that he would get burned for the sins of the world, he remained focused. He remained focused in the face of his friends and his family that would have had him do otherwise. Come on, Jesus, don't go to the cross. You can feed 5,000 people in a day, man. You can walk on water. You can do anything you want. Set up your earthly kingdom here. Live in comfort and luxury and wealth for the rest of your days. And bring us along with you. No, Christ remained focused on the path in front of him. In the face of the world that would have him do otherwise. And he did so for you perfectly. He did so for me. He did so for the sake of the whole world. He remained focused in the face of the world perfectly for you and I. And he knew. Why he says these words in our text today, he talks about uh, fathers and mothers and sons and daughters, a family being divided two against three and three against two. He knew that he, remaining focused on the Word of God in the face of the world, he knew that remaining focused on his mission for you would also affect those who followed after him. He says, do you think that I came to bring peace on the earth? No, I tell you, division. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other, three against two and two against three. They will be divided father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, and, uh, daughter, daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. And then we end saying the Gospel of the Lord and we all go, what? There are many that do not believe as we do. There are many in the world that don't believe as we do. They are focused on what makes sense to them and on what makes sense to the world. Jesus makes you prepared for that. Jesus calls you to see this even before it happens. That we might see that we have an opportunity to lovingly show what makes our faith what makes the Word of God, what makes our Savior unique amongst all the things in this world? There's a lesson to be learned here from Jesus about focusing on Him in the face of the world. There's an opportunity to show how important and different our Savior is and why, why it's so important to share exactly and precisely who He is. And if we're rejected for saying that, if we're rejected for what we believe, then so be it. Our Savior is greater. Our Savior is more. If we're rejected because we cling to Christ and we smell like Him, then so be it. Because it's not you they're rejecting, it's Jesus. To the friend or the family member that says, yeah, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people that can get on board with Jesus' teachings. You don't have to believe that He did all those miracles and all that stuff. You don't have to believe that He was the quote-unquote Son of God in order to, to get the gist of His teachings. For the one who would say that, don't focus on yourself. 
Don't focus on how is this going to be uh, received by that person? How am I going to offend them? Don't focus on yourself. Don't focus on your emotions. Focus on Jesus. Remain focused on Him in the face of the world. Remain focused on Him in the face of the lies of Satan. And maybe you'll find this helpful. Say back to them, how can you take the teachings of Jesus and separate them from who He is? I mean, really. There's 101 other philosophers out there. Buddha, Confucius. You can chase after all those other things that essentially tell you to go and follow the golden rule. That much is common sense. I mean, hey, you could probably even arrive at some of that stuff on your own. Don't kill, don't steal, don't commit adultery. Don't do bad things. Bad things are bad and good things are good. <laughs> you could say that. You could understand on your own how to follow the golden rule. But I'm a believer in Jesus for a different reason. I can't separate what Jesus has done and his teaching. I can't separate who Jesus is from his teaching. What, for example? And here's a, here's a parable or that, the, that the world often clings to that everybody says, hey, everybody can get behind this. Parable of the Good Samaritan, for example. What's the point of that? What's the point of the parable of the Good Samaritan? The world might look at that and say, well, that's kind of, you know, be good for goodness sake. Help other people out in need. That's the point of the, good, the parable of the Good Samaritan. But to you, dear Christian, what is the point of the parable of the Good Samaritan? Is it be good for goodness sake like Santa Claus? Is that the purpose behind why Jesus says that to that rich young ruler? No. The parable of the Good Samaritan is given so that that young man that Jesus is talking to might see his sin and his inability to be good for goodness sake. Because he will never be good enough. Not perfectly. The point of the parable of the Good Samaritan is that Jesus is showing that young man, you need me. You need me because you can't do it on your own. The Lord Jesus points to Himself as the right motivation for any kind of virtuous act. His teachings and who He is are intimately interwoven. And to separate that, to separate Jesus and say, hey, yeah, you can get behind His teachings, from who he is. I'm sorry, but that's intellectually dishonest at best because if Jesus is not who he says he is, if he is not the Son of God, if he is not the Savior of the world, if he did not do all those miracles, 
then who is he? He's a lunatic. He's a lunatic with a God complex. But he is not. He is who he says he was. The prophecies in the Bible, ancient. All of which point down and are focused on him. Why would you listen to a lunatic with a God complex? Brothers and sisters, in the face of the world that would have us wonder or worry or focused on our own emotions or am I going to offend that person? Or what about my own reputation? In the face of the world like that, do not cheapen who your Savior is. Don't cheapen who your Savior is. Don't make Him out to be a good philosopher who can teach like 101 other philosophers in the face of the world. Don't lose focus on who Christ is. Don't lose focus on what God's Word says about who Jesus is. And that's why, frankly, that's why there are groups of people out there that call themselves Christians that say, you have to light so many candles or you have to go on pilgrimage, you have to do so many good works, you've got to go to confession on the regular, or even... You have to accept Jesus into your heart on your own. Otherwise, God won't love you. Otherwise, your, your, your salvation is meaningless. It's because they cheapen who Jesus is. They cheapen who Jesus is and say that he's just a philosopher. His teachings are good enough. I don't really need to believe that he is the Son of God. No. He is the Son of God. All of God's Word points to the fact that He is the Son of God. Jesus knew that He was the Son of God, not because of His own understanding, but because of the Word that told Him. The Word that told Him who He was and what He was here to do. In the face of the world that would have us cheapen or wonder or question or to draw our eyes off of Christ and who He is, remain focused on Christ. We cannot divorce Jesus from who He is and what He teaches. Remain focused on who the Bible says that He is. The Savior from sin, death, and the power of the devil. He is the Lamb of God. He is the Son of God. And thank God He is. Thank God all the Scriptures point to Him as such. Because only one who is the Lamb of God and the Son of God could make such promises to you and to me and to the whole world that say your sins are forgiven. You are at peace with God. You don't need to fear death. You don't need to fear the world around you. Only Jesus, the Son of God and the Lamb of God who was focused on His mission and focused on you could make such a bold and powerful and focused promise that would last through the ages. That's how we remain focused in the face of the world, focusing on ourselves, but focus on Christ. Amen. That's all there is for today, but we are so happy you took a few moments out of your busy day to listen to God's Word with us. Please consider subscribing to our podcast to hear more devotions like this 
Monday through Friday, and to hear our Sunday sermons as well. We also cordially invite you to join us for church every week at 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. If you would like more information about our church and its ministry, please visit our website at www.stmarksbemidji.org.